With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Monday edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson. And Tim O'Malley, I'm Tim Priester. Pete and I are back from Virginia, where Notre Dame pulled out a 34-27 game. Talk about back and forth. I mean, Notre Dame controls, Virginia takes control, Notre Dame regains control, and then it looks like Virginia's game until Will Fuller and Deshaun Kaiser hook up for the game winner. Plenty of twists and turns in this game, Pete. Uh, I think we summarized it pretty well right after the game, but what are your thoughts now, 48 hours later? Yeah, I mean, it's like... I. I think I wrote three game stories in the course of one game to try to get that thing uh, down and in perspective. Uh, I felt like this was Purdue going into it, um, but I thought maybe it'd be Purdue light. I think it was sort of Purdue extra or Purdue extra strength. Um, because, yeah, Virginia had that game won. I, I still don't I, – John Tenuta could not help himself at the very end with the defense they played rolling up that corner. On Will Fuller, and it was, I, I give Deshaun Kaiser a ton of credit because it, it wasn't a situation where it was, check with me, okay, Deshaun, throw the ball to Will. It was ball snapped, read corner, oh, corner has rolled up, Fuller has a double move, I can put the ball over here and then he can get to it. Um, so there was a lot to process for Deshaun Kaiser in a very intense dramatic moment and man he did he do it well and he had the poise to allow ProSize to get that block to shift just a little bit because he had to shift and throw it's not like he could all of a sudden yeah. abandon and roll left and try and do it again it was a perfectly accurate throw I mean I know he was open by three yards but that's not an easy throw to make for for the game when it's your first deep throw of your life and uh or of your of your college career it, it was a remarkable ending um it was a very long story. I, I, I won't share how I was uh, taking in the game uh, at a family wedding, listening to uh, listen to it mostly on the radio, uh, getting home and seeing it live to me, those, those, those last few plays. And it's, Pete, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think you even expected maybe a closer score than you put in our staff picks. So you, you, you really seem to think this, this is going to be a knockdown dragout battle. But the big surprise for me was, and it, maybe it shouldn't have been, was that it was a seven-point game where... Virginia scored 27 points against Notre Dame's defense. Yeah, I think that's really the only surprise is how much Virginia's offense, how much success Virginia's offense had against Notre Dame. And certainly after you saw the first two Virginia drives, you didn't think that was going to be the case. But, you know, as I as I did in, in uh, post-game with Pete and in, in my column, that, I mean, you got to give Steve Fairchild credit. He outcoached Brian Van Gorder. There's absolutely no doubt about that. It, it makes you wonder a little bit, and this is something I'm going to explore this week. I mean, is it is it system overload with Notre Dame's defense? Isaac Rochelle talking about installation going on every week. Um, and at what cost? At, at the cost of fundamentals, at the cost of being prepared pre-snap. You see Joe Schmidt turning around in a position where he has to provide a ton of information to the yeah. safety behind him. Uh, before before the football is snapped, and and I thought Steve Fairchild did a great job. To me, that was the only real surprise. 
Uh, I thought Matt Johns was a little bit better than yeah. I thought he would be. But Virginia only gave up 16 sacks last year. They I don't know that they have most of their offensive line back, but they still have that system. But it was Virginia's ability to move the football the way they did. Yeah, I think one thing that really surprised me was the Notre Dame's inability to get to Matt Johns really at all. I've, I've only gone through the first half with, like, you know, fine-tooth statting pressures and alignments and sets. But, like, I'm at halftime, and I've seen Matt Johns be made uncomfortable on one throw. Uh, and there are a couple where maybe you could give them a half, like the Isaac Rochelle tip pass. But even that, there there just wasn't a lot of moments where Matt Johns looked uncomfortable in the pocket while Malik Zaire looked uncomfortable pretty much the whole game. Um, that was – I wasn't – I was surprised about how much Notre Dame's defense struggled, but I wasn't surprised that they gave up points. I was surprised that Notre Dame's offense didn't look at all like it looked against Texas, and Zaire really took, You're, you know, he, he struggled with his footwork and accuracy, and when he was under duress, the ball was all over the place. Are you surprised at four drives of 75 yards or more by Virginia? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised by that. Like, I, I guess I thought if Virginia was going to make it a game, they would have you know, two trick plays or there would be a pick six or a punt return. You know, they had one trick play that I think when you watch it, it's hard to tell if that was Kavari Russell or Elijah Shoemate who got sucked up the most. I think it was probably Shoemate. Um, but that was that was a play that I, I just don't understand how Notre Dame didn't have a better handle on that before before the sack. I think they targeted the right people on that too. They, they know yeah. who was looking to make a play up. I mean, they, that was set up for those guys. Shoemate comes time. flying yeah. up towards yeah. the line, and then you see, you see him stop. And, I mean, you can see the thought bubble pop up. <laughs> That's rough when you're It's a family show, so it's, I wouldn't say what was it. It's rough when you're a freshman playing your first game yeah. back there. So. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing that really surprised me and, and maybe disappointed me was the inability to adjust to Jerry Rice at wide receiver there for Virginia. <laughs> I mean, seriously, is it, it you really – they could not contain Severin – no matter what he was, well, he was flat Cole out. Luke no better. longer looked like the Cole Luke no. that we saw last year. Yeah, and it's I mean Johns was dropping you know the ball in a bucket yeah. a lot of times too. So it was they had they had trouble tracking Severin, but I thought Johns was throwing him open mm-hmm. as well. So I, I'd say it's, you got to give credit to both. Sure, points. but right. yeah, I agree. Notre Dame just wasn't in a position to make plays in the secondary. That that's what I wrote about my column. That just. That really shocked me because this is supposed to be a very, very talented secondary, and it's, it did not play like it. And, and that was kind of my point. It wasn't like, well, tip your hat. He made the most amazing six catches I've ever seen. Yeah. Notre Dame's all over him. It was, it's third down. He's getting it, and they're throwing him back shoulder open in the middle of the field. It was, it was uh, not something I expected. A few positives to throw out. Obviously, Notre Dame's ground game, second week in a row over 200 yards, 34 carries, 253 yards. CJ Procise averaging 9.1 yards Man, per carry. You know, in, in, the in the double digit, you might the double digit runs that you seven double out was, digit runs twenty five, twenty four, yeah. seventeen, fifteen, two fourteens, a twelve. I mean, and a lot of it was the offensive line. They did a great job. I'm not all the way through the game yet, but I mean, clearly they're getting a lot of push. But CJ Prosize is so capable of creating on his own, and I mean, you know, when he gets to the edge, if he gets to the edge first, it's going to be a big gain. So that was a that was a real positive. Zaire had eighty seven yards on ten carries before. The injury, and I think the other thing is special teams. I mean, they did a lot of really good things on special teams, and and key in switching the field position later in the game was C.J. Sanders, 
Uh, he had he had punt returns of 8, 10, and 30, and Notre Dame started at their own 41, 45, and Virginia 45. So that swung the uh, that swung the field position. Of course, Tyler Newsom 62-yard punt really bailed Notre Dame out of a field position uh, jam. So it was good to see the special teams, that, although they did some good things against Texas, they also had a lot of miscues. Miscues pretty solid overall against Virginia. And I think you know when we talk about C.J. Sanders the punt return, you got to credit the punt return game. Because he had room to do something with it. It wasn't like he had to make three guys miss in the first yard. Things were set up for him to make plays, and he did a really nice job taking advantage of you know, Notre Dame's scheme. Okay, we'll uh, come back for segment two and quick take questions from our readers. All right, we're back on Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Irish Illustrated. Um, we didn't necessarily talk quarterbacks in the first segment because we have about 27 questions about it in segment two. <laughs> first up, Port ND. How do you see the offense changing with Deshaun Kaiser, and do you expect Brandon Wimbush to play when possible to gain experience? Well, I mean, obviously, there certainly aren't going to be as many designed runs for Kaiser, and I think maybe there might be a little overreaction to Kelly saying that, well, yeah, Kaiser has to run. I, I agree he does have to run. It's football. You have to play the game. You know, uh, I mean, just popping around the college football on Saturday, I saw that Texas A&M threw a deep throwback pass down, you know, downfield to Kyle Allen. Matty Mock led Missouri in carries and or, or in rushing yardage. It's college football quarterbacks run, so uh, I mean that's part of the plan. But Kaiser's not going to do it nearly as much. It's not his strength, so it wouldn't be part of the the grand scheme of the design. I think, you know, maybe you throw it a little bit more with him because. All things being equal, he's probably the more accurate of the two quarterbacks over the course of an entire season. Not necessarily a stronger arm, but but more accurate. So, I mean, I don't know that it's drastic, but, you know, obviously there are changes with Kaiser. Yeah, I think you're, you're right that you have to throw it a little more and coming from people that always want him to run it. Look, they lost their number two running back Saturday in Zaire. They lost their number one running back earlier in Fulton. They lost their number two yep. in Zaire. and. Kaiser, we all we it's about to find out if what we saw if if we can be believed, I guess, from what we saw in August because Deshaun Kaiser threw the ball very well in August. He was obviously in a protected situation. The second part of this, uh, Wimbush, as long as Notre Dame stays undefeated, in other words, they got to beat Georgia Tech for this to be something that I believe has to happen. You have got to play Wimbush against UMass. You can't have Notre Dame be four and zero going into Clemson and Death Valley, and if Kaiser turn his ankle. Or worse. Do you think then, Brian Kelly will do that though? That's, you know, I wanted to ask that during the Sunday call, and I just I spaced it. I didn't. I didn't get this question because I want to know if if you have if you're playing Texas again this week and it played out exactly the same way, do you bring in Brandon Wimbush for the fourth quarter after the Sean Kaiser played the first three? And clearly, I don't. I guess mean, we'll ask that on Tuesday. Clearly, I don't mean Georgia Tech game. You don't yeah. have to play Wimbush against Georgia right. Tech, but right. your chance to get his feet wet. So if you don't play him, you have either Death Valley or Navy. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Or USC, clearly. Yeah. You have to get him involved. Or road games all of November. So if you're, the longer you're undefeated, you've got to get him in. And what is a fifth-year quarterback at Notre Dame? It's the last one's Ron Paulus. Well, I, I agree. And I think sometimes there's way too much emphasis on preserving yeah. years with guys. If you Look, if you want to preserve years, or I mean, just recruit. Go out and recruit. Yeah. But, but if a player needs to play, <laughs> play him. And, I mean, I don't. I agree with you. I don't know how you can... Yeah, I mean, you could theoretically, if Kaiser stayed healthy all year, you could theoretically just go without playing Wimbush and preserve a year. You could bring Montgomery Van Gorder in to take the the slot snaps against teams you're killing. So, but 
I, I don't. I mean, I, I think Brian Kelly. If you, when you ask him tomorrow, he will say yes. We have to. And play. here's the thing: in, in this specific scenario, you're going to have Zaire back next year, and you have Kaiser back next year. So redshirt Wimbush next year. Like, yeah, that, that would be a, that would be a solution to this specific right. issue. If you really, if a fifth year was really important to you, right? Uh, Blue Chipman asks how how many runs per game do you think Kaiser should be limited to going forward, and how will this affect the overall running game strategy? I, I did get this question on the Sunday teleconference because I wanted to know if he said the limit was sort of ten for Zaire, and he's like, yeah, we could probably do ten with Kaiser. I think it's going to be different styles of runs. Uh, you're not you're not going to put an empty set out there and then have a quarterback design run for Deshaun Kaiser, most likely. At least not one that's going to get you 35 yards. And fourth and one, you can do fourth that. Fourth and one, you can do yeah, like, yeah. Like, Fourth, and, fourth right. and two, he can get you four yards, no problem. Um, I think if it's third and 12, he can get you eight. Uh, so I, I don't think you're going to have that. You have to respect the quarterback running in all situations threat with Kaiser. Remains to be seen what kind of read option threat he's going to be. I You know, he's... Is he a better runner than Everett Golson? I don't know. Um, I don't think we've seen it. I know in his high school tape, he moves. Uh, I mean, he gets down the field, uh, but it's more like straight line type stuff. I think they'll do they'll do read option stuff with him. It's the quarterback draws that yeah. that that I don't. Not, you know, I'm, maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. I don't know that I've seen enough of. Well, we haven't. You, you need to see Kaiser in live action and how he actually moves at this level. High school film, I, I hear what you're saying, and he I like that. He flew down the field to yeah. celebrate with Will Fuller at the end of the game. <laughs> I think you make a good point about the draws, because I wrote the first thing I wrote down here was no more QB power. But QB power on fourth <laughs> down, you might need to do it. I but, think yeah. more QB power. But no QB power on third. Yeah, no QB power on second and ten. Let's go get eight yards well, in the middle. Well, that's why, that's why yeah. read option makes sense, because he's making his move to run not 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, but basically right behind the line of scrimmage. You know, I think we, we, or at least me, I sort of envision the read option is like fake to the running back up the middle and then the quarterback is the threat to go outside. I think if you inverted that and the running back was the threat to go outside and the quarterback was the one that go up to up the middle, that would maybe make more <laughs> sense with Kaiser. And I think Kaiser, when you see total rushes at the end of a game, I think he'll escape some pressure and run. Long strider, go get yards to the sideline, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So the, I don't think that it, it's the rushes where you're in harm's way, the design runs. It, it's not a lot of... You get out of the pocket and run if you're Kaiser. You're not in that much harm's way. The, Come on. And, and like getting back to our first question from Port ND, the, the, Nordame had the get-out-of-jail card with Malik Zaire. You know, when in doubt, he could run, he could sprint. Okay, you got a first down, you move on. And even Golson did that to, to a large extent. They don't have the get-out-of-jail free card. Well, I, I think it's the value of it has been decreased. Because if it's third and five, you still have that card. If it's third and 12, you don't. I think that's the big difference. All right, next up, we've got ND025876. Brian Kelly is the CEO of this team, and he refuses to instruct Brian Van Gorder to install a straightforward defense that allows great athletes to shine. What's behind this? Everyone on the program can see that our back seven is... A step slow because they are trying to digest the schematic advantage. I agree. The back seven is a step slow because of the scheme. Uh, I don't. You know, I, I first read this question. I was thinking about the why don't we get the best athletes on the field? I, I don't think that's the best. The best players are on the field. The problem is, I agree with Tim that it's something you really have to look into. Why does it take that long for everybody to be not named Joe Schmidt or Jalen Smith to understand this defense? And I totally understand. Last year. I believe, I believe they brought in Brian Van Gorder for a two-year change in this defense that he had to make and that they didn't think they were going to be good enough last year. They never thought they were going to get to 6-0 and where they needed yeah. the great defense to win this national championship. 
they've been building to this. Pete, you hit you hit on it in August. Vanguard 2.0, this is what it's been building to, and I mean, I guess we can overreact to one game, but it, it looked so bad, and as Tim said, he was beaten so badly on the headset. It's staggering, really, and it was by Virginia, not USC or Maybe he's had the Patriots radio broadcast <laughs> in there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, and Notre Dame had a straightforward defensive coordinator, and a lot of Notre Dame fans wanted to run him out of town when, he, when Bob Diaco took the head coaching job at Connecticut. Now, I'm... Maybe there should there be there probably should be a happy medium between right. the 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 two approaches because they are about as extreme as they can possibly be on the defensive yeah. side of the football. Um, you know, I think I think Brian Kelly. I, I, I have a couple questions I'd like to ask him about. You know, the law of diminishing returns with 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 a defense where you're constantly installing and thinking and turning and swinging. Can you imagine? I mean, what what has Elijah Shoemaker gone through? mentally in trying to learn Van Gorder's defense while Van Gorder is screaming at him most it's, of the way. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's a tough pickup and I, yeah, you you saw, I think some of the issues last year, early in the year when Notre Dame's defense was, was able to mask some things. I remember watching Joe Schmidt in September when the defense was great last season, turn around and basically tell Elijah Shoemate and Max Redfield, you move over here and you move over there and then do this and you do that. And we didn't see that against Texas. And I asked Joe Schmidt about it on Wednesday. And he's like, if you didn't see that, it didn't happen. And we saw a lot on Saturday at Virginia uh, where they sort of got back to it was a little bit of a mad dash. And, I mean, that include defensive linemen. Romeo Quar was moving around. You got Drew Krenkel running into Jalen Schmidt before the snap. There was just so much mixing and matching and and matching up that I think it it did hit that diminishing returns. And I... I'm not sure the answer to this. I think the KISS principle, obviously missing with this defense. There is no keep it simple, stupid. Can they play that way? Is well, that, that's what we... I, I remember asking Kelly about this at the end of last year, and, and Van Gorder as well, and it was like, can you simplify this scheme, or when you simplify it, is there just like nothing really... I mean, it's like, it's... The complicated nature is the scheme. Sure. It's almost like Tuna is saying, pressure is the package, like... If, if we're not blitzing, then I don't even know what we're doing. Um, I, I think that mixing and matching is, is what Van Gorder is. I, you, you, that's what the defense is. It's what you're saying. You, you'd have to change coordinators in order to dumb it down. Yeah, he doesn't right. know. He doesn't. Brian Van Gorder is not going to change his ways and suddenly become Bobby Acco in this. That's just not going yeah. to happen. No, we're not looking, you know, as you said, the happy medium is what you want because I remember in August, Pete and I talking about Carlo Calabrese being lined up with a Purdue wide receiver in the slot for the game, what well, would have been the game-winning touchdown for Purdue yeah. on fourth down, and you're never going to see that again because they have packages and nickels where they trust a guy more than their 250-pound mm-hmm. linebacker, but Purdue had 17 points in that game. They weren't driving up and down the field the entire time either. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, there's some give and take here. All right, Drew2000, what can Notre Dame do to get better in the red zone on offense? All we hear in the offseason how Notre Dame is working to get better in this aspect of the game. Same thing, though, year in and year out. Our red zone offense is pathetic. There's the one problem with this, and I you could get frustrated watching Notre Dame go one of three and touchdowns of the red zone, and that was a fake field goal, so I'm not even sure that needs to count. No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Um, they're 4 or 5. It's 0 for 2 is right. what They're 0 for 2. They're 4 or 5 against Texas, and you can throw some of that out because Texas seemed like they had one player on the field defensively. Mm. But last year, Notre Dame was ninth in the country in touchdown red zone percentage. We're going over the so they're better than Wisconsin, the holy bastion of run the ball into the end zone. They were 
In touchdown percentage, they were 104 spots better than Stanford, everyone's favorite running team. The problem is they had more turnovers than most conferences in the red zone from Everett Golson with eight by himself. And, of course, Chris Brown was the ninth. And they couldn't hold a snap. So, on a field goal. So, that, that's yeah. a problem as well. So, Notre Dame last year turned it around. They scored touchdowns at a better rate than all but eight teams. And those eight teams were major bowls or playoff teams. So, we're overreacting a little we bit. We are overreacting one a little. Game. Now, having said that, it's going to be more difficult to score in a red zone without yes. Malik Zaire. Yes, it will. Who could do things with his feet. Yeah, and I'm curious to, like, the tight ends. He got it. Kelly got asked about this on Sunday. The tight ends really have not been, I think, they've been a factor in terms of the sets they're using, they were a two tight end a ton, but they're not, they have not been a factor in terms of being targeted or even being involved in the passing game at all, except for, you know, Durham Smythe on the fake field goal. Maybe this is an opening for Nick Wisher because it sounds like Durham Smythe is, you know, he, he hobbled off the field early with a left foot or ankle yeah. injury and then left again with a right ankle injury, which apparently was more serious. So he's banged up. Maybe Nick Wisher comes into play in, in red zone where he was impressive for what it's worth in preseason. And if Brian Kelly says he thinks you might be out, you might be out on Sunday, you're out for your next week. That's not, he, he gets everybody on the field on Sunday because he's a football coach. And he right. Wants to yeah. play, so of course, if he says he might be out, I, then he I think he's probably. Out. The key, we talked about red zone efficiency. This can be revisited, revisited next week because they better score in the red zone this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty important. All right. Last question. CPU 15. Where is all the D-line depth I heard about all offseason? Day and Rochelle never seem to leave the field. Even great players get gassed in the fourth quarter when there's no rotation. Well, I mean, we know. I mean, Ishak Williams didn't get readmitted to the team, and you, you, you lost Jerron Jones, and you lost some guys that transferred. But, look, when the game is on the line, I mean, what do you want to be able to brag about? How many? No offense here, but you want to be able to brag about how many guys you got in the game, or are you going to put your best players on the field? I mean, it became what looked like was going to be a blowout, and then you could get those other guys in. became a game, and at that point, I, mean, I don't want Sheldon Day coming off right. the field. I think they, want, they wanted to see Hayes be involved in first-half snaps. They wanted to see – I'm saying from preseason to now – People were thinking, hey, Jay Hayes is a guy that could help Notre Dame. Ten snaps, yeah. Right, I and it, it's they, – they're not they're not in the mix. Well – They're there in case somebody gets hurt. Right. How same, many snaps did they – Right. Did, did we ever clarify? I mean, what – against Texas? Z- they played zero. They played yeah. zero. And against Virginia, they played zero. And they were no well, fans I, of playing. I, but I understand yeah. them playing yeah. zero against Virginia. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever for them not to play against Texas. Well, yeah, I mean, Brian, we, Brian Kelly was asked about that and said they'll feature at some point during the year. I – I was surprised because, I mean, look, we were at the game. It wasn't super hot, but it was muggy. It was a little bit steamy. I thought it was a game where you would get Jay Hayes five snaps and you get Grant Blankenship five snaps. Not in the fourth quarter, but in the second quarter, maybe when you're up 12 nothing. Um, you know, but I, I've gone through the first half. I think Sheldon Day was out for two snaps and Isaac Rochelle was maybe out for one. I mean, they're... They are riding Day and Rochelle real hard, which they did last year. And, you know, Rochelle came through it okay. Day got hurt. But, uh, and when you watch Day and Rochelle, there's no way I would take those guys off the field because they, they have been like two. You take Jalen Smith out of the mix, those have been their name's two best players on defense. They're the starting sub package interior guys. Like, yeah. they, they, no, guys, they're, they're backup. They're starters and they're backups. They, they yeah. move to that package. Right. They, they're, there's six guys and they are playing. 
four positions, for lack of a better way. Yeah, of explaining I, I mean, it. this is this is the the problem you run into when I mean, Notre Dame's the only team in the country that has two wins over Power Five conference teams, and and now you have Georgia Tech. I mean, this is what happens when. A, you're an independent, and B, you schedule like Notre Dame basically has always scheduled our entire lives. What well, we said, we can revisit some questions. We talked about this last week. These guys don't play against UMass. Clearly, they're nowhere near able to play. Yeah, Be- well, I, I mean, I, I thought of your comment while we were down there because the way the Virginia game was going and, and the weather down there, it's like, well, if they're not playing against Virginia, maybe they're not in a position to play. Uh, but I agree. Like, if we're at the end of the month and... There's no haze and no blanket chip. I mean, part of me was wondering, it's like, maybe they've just been practicing against option all year and they're they're saving haze and blanket chip for that. I, I don't really know. They're trying to get the redshirt year back that, or, or I mean, that, from that last makes, year, that I, makes, I think. That makes yeah. more sense to me yeah. um, than, like, somehow Jay Hayes and Grant Blankenship and hanging out with Bob Elliott all offseason learning about option football. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, maybe that's a solution. But it's, we're, it's amazing, I mean... Every, you, you, Tim, you write this and say this all the time that it's amazing how much college football is a week to week season, <laughs> not a week to week game. And I almost feel like this is the season opener all over again. The way this this season has shifted with Zaire out, and suddenly we're not sure about the defense and the scheme of Paul Johnson versus Brian McGuire. I mean, I I feel like this is an opener all over again yeah. on Saturday. Fortunately, Notre Dame fans didn't vote in the polls this week because the polls were pretty kind to Notre Dame. <laughs> They moved up, but, uh, you know, I mean, obviously not the kind of performance you would like defensively and in the red zone offensively, but you live to play another day. And I, as I think I said in the uh, instant analysis after the game, I like when everybody's counting Notre Dame out. Most people think that they can't beat Georgia Tech. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a, a game worth watching this week. Okay, we'll be back on Thursday to uh, preview Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech.